One Thanksgiving season, a family was seated around their table and they were looking at the turkey. And from the oldest, from the youngest to the oldest, uh, they were to express their, their praise. And when they came to a five-year-old in the family, he began to uh, look at the turkey and expressing his thanks for the turkey and saying, even though that he hadn't tasted it yet, he knew it was going to be good. Well, that's not where it stopped. Uh, he began a more predictable line of thanks uh, when he thanked his mom for cooking the turkey. He thanked the father for buying the turkey. He then began to thank the checker at the grocery store who checked out the turkey. And then the grocery store uh, people who put it on the shelf. And then he thanked the farmer who made it fat. And he thanked the man who uh, put together the feed. And he solemnly asked, did I leave anybody out? And his brother said, uh, God. <laughs> and without being flustered, the five-year-old said, well, I was about to get to him. Right. <laughs> so here's our challenge. Are we to him? Have we gotten to him in terms of thanksgiving? Are we about to get to him or have we forgot him? Right? Uh, Philip Yancey said, it's a, it's a terrible thing to be grateful and have no one to thank. To be awed and have no one to worship. Thankfulness is to pump through the life of the believer like blood in the body. Uh, we're instructed to give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. Uh, you know, if Lynn can do that with what she's facing, maybe we can. And I would suggest that being thankful is not a state of the mind, but it starts with a recognition of the spiritual reality of who God is his sovereignty in our lives, and his love for us. That is why we can give thanks in everything because that does not change with the circumstance, right? Because left to ourselves, we might um, forget to thank God. Um, but without God... We're just subject to the circumstances. It's why the psalmist said in Psalm 97, 12, be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Notice here in also Psalm 140, 13, surely the righteous will give thanks to thy name. The upright will dwell in your presence. Notice the focus is not on the circumstances but it's on the Lord, who he is, his sovereignty, his, his love for us. David even reasoned for God to spare his life so we, he would have more opportunity to be thankful to God. He said in Psalm 6, 5, for there is no mention of thee in death and Sheol who will give thee thanks. It's interesting that when you look at the long list of what the last days are going to be like in 2 Timothy, 
One of the things that's mentioned is ingratitude. Not having a, a thankful heart. It says that evil men are going to get worse. Now, I figure if anybody knows the state of reality, it's God. You know, he's not subject to a poll, right? Um, he's not taking a survey. He can actually read the hearts of people. And as time moves on, the collective history of the heart of mankind gives evidence to a pattern. It's not random. It's not because of survival of the fittest. Now, yes, we can be thankful for advancements in technology, but the heart of human beings is not bent towards good, naturally. The sentiment as a whole is not to move towards, you know, grace and love and gratitude. The Apostle Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the more that men become wicked, the less they are thankful. You know, we really then shouldn't be surprised that we see people complaining, bitter, angry, thankless, without any gratitude. And I ask you, especially in our culture, okay, this is not a part of culture bashing. You can find this anywhere, but uh, we, don't, we don't live amongst a thankful people, generally speaking. We live amongst a people who want their way, no matter how destructive, expect something for nothing, complain when they don't get it. You know, and when you read of biblical accounts of the way that some people responded, it's really just a mirror to our own society. And we can't help ourselves but noticing that the, the movement of humanity is away from God. And when I use the term God, I'm saying as revealed by the person of Christ. Well, that can mean many things to many people, but as revealed through the person of Christ and through the scripture. So what we see is humans make themselves the lawgivers. They make themselves the God of morality. Grace, love, and forgiveness are, are merely words without a moral center to the public at large. And I, I read this week of the scene when Christ was you know, arrested and the mob was pining to have him crucified. And you remember Pilate claiming that he didn't want the blood of Christ on his hand. You know, he washes his hands. And then we read in Matthew 27, 25, it says, and all the people answered, his blood will be on us and all our children. And it just struck me. It's like, dude, did you really just say that? You, you want the blood of Christ on your head? Really? Headlong and hurriedly, the mob rushed to kill the sinless Son of God. And they felt so right, so convinced, emboldened by their religion. And are we not seeing that defiance today in almost every corner of society? I mean, look at the the protests in our streets, people making claims about reality 
and truth yet denying simple facts and, and science. You look at the political pressure to conform to the modern sense of twisted morality, coupled with the cancel culture, and then claiming tolerance with a straight face. You might think, dang, Kevin, this is really depressing, what you're saying. Well, there are pockets of hope, all right? Now, I'm not a doomsday guy or a conspiratorial provocateur, but the gospel, the, the believers in Christ who hold to the gospel, I think these are the lighthouses within this dark world. These are the beacons at odds with what 2 Timothy 3.2 says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, it goes on. And Romans 1, 2, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, for they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Ungrateful. And they did not give him thanks. Those are the end results of people who reject God. And we sometimes forget God, even in our lives, as we are believers, most here today, and sometimes we can fall into being ungrateful. You see, without God, we are just subject to our circumstances. Is it conceivable that I can give thanks in the face of hardship? Any hardship? Is it possible? I think of Paul and Silas in jail. I think of Stephen being stoned. I think of Joseph being thrown in a pit to die. I mean, these people were on the wrong end of others bent on their destruction. Yet they didn't just survive. Their hearts were turned towards God. Paul sang. Stephen prayed. Joseph loved his captors and all expressed gratitude to God. Maybe it is conceivable to give thanks in all circumstances because there are some things that never change. The sovereign God who loves us. After Dustin and Karen Moore ask a flight attendant for help in changing their newborn daughter, Changing the diapers on the newborn, not exchanging the diapers. Um, <laughs> they received much more than what they asked for. Jenny, one of the flight attendants working with Southwest, happened to ask the parents why they were flying with such a young baby. And she found out that the Moors had newly adopted this child, their first and only child. 
So Jenny sprang into action. She enlisted the help of a workmate, Becky, and members of the Southwest flight crew, and Jenny surreptitiously organized an impromptu baby shower on the plane. Bobby came back and asked a few other questions, which initially left the Moors confused, and Karen Moore told reporters. Five minutes later, Bobby came on the intercom and said, ladies and gentlemen, there's a special guest on the flight today. She's only eight days old, and she's traveling home with her mom and dad, and the passengers burst into applause. The crew then passed out pens and napkins and encouraged them to jot down notes of advice, love, and encouragement, and some which were eventually read aloud. Meanwhile, plenty of folks stopped just to offer compliments for their baby and congratulations to the parents. And after arriving home, Dustin contacted Southwest to offer his gratitude. He said for an entire crew of strangers to come together like that, to partake like that, to show us that kind of love and kindness meant everything to us. I mean, that is a touching story, right? But I don't think that's ever going to happen on a flight I take, all right? <laughs> that seems improbable that I would see that happen, happen on any future flights. But it strikes me that I can be a person who chooses a thankful heart and from that place give the kind of encouragement that that flight provided for the Moors. That I could give encouragement to the people around me because of my thankful heart. Now hopefully you've had one or two people in your life like this that were just life-giving I can think of, of an aunt on my mom's side, an uncle on my dad's side, my grandmother, the mother of my father, who were always encouraging. They always offered hope and a kind word, and they made it a joy to be in their presence. I'm not talking about you know being sappy and pinching your cheek all the time, but really substantive relationships in the face of trials and just being a true encourager. Now, those of us who enjoy a positive climate may find this difficult to comprehend, but here's the fact of the matter. You know, I've met an awful lot of you. I've been here for over 30 years, and this is a fact. You can be amongst a lot of people and still be lonely. You can be married and still be lonely. Because there are a lot of people who haven't heard encouraging words for days or maybe even months. I think our souls yearn for these kinds of relationships that, that lift the spirit. Isaiah 35.3 says, to encourage the exhausted to strengthen the feeble. Any here ever feel exhausted or weak? All of us have been through that. Now listen, forcing ourselves to be an encourager doesn't seem real kosher, right? None of us wants to fake it. But can our hearts 
be thankful? Can that, can that influence our spirit in such a way that we then can be encouraging, even in the midst of hardships? I think God cares about the tenor of our lives, the attitude as individuals, as a family, as a church. He cares about whether as, as a church body we view life in a hopeful perspective or a negative, pessimistic way. I see the culture. That's not terribly encouraging. But I also see what God is doing. I also see God at work. I see him in your lives. That's really encouraging. But the fact is, is that a, a spouse and children can feel the life sucked out of them because there's an adult in their house who is bitter and thankless. Right? I mean, you, hey, you may go to church, you may even teach, but at home, you're curmudgeon. You know, a, a church can exist with a, with a cloud over it when they meet every Sunday morning. Because what started out as maybe an offense has spread to a multitude of ungrateful hearts. I'm thankful that's not the case here. <laughs> not, not that I know of. <laughs> but we have a core of encouraging people and I, I so much appreciate that. Here's the point though. None of that has to be in our hearts, in our home, or in our church. Because I do think that being thankful is a choice. The direction that I'm going to point my heart is a choice that I make. You know, there's a, there's a pattern or a practice that you find in the Bible regarding how God's people responded to certain events, particularly when God was blessing them. And for those who are in the position of being a recipient of God's grace, of his blessing, they were to take time to recognize that work. It's a simple concept, but one I think that's often overlooked. Because again, I think naturally we're prone to just forget. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, all practiced this principle of giving thanks after key events. David took considerable time to pray and worship with the Israelites as a way to lead the people in giving honor to God. Joshua, uh, Joshua gave praise to God as Israel miraculously entered into the promised land. Nehemiah gathered a large choir together to get on top of the walls of Jerusalem to publicly praise God after they repaired the walls. The principle of publicly recognizing God's work is so important that the temple would employ people that their only job was to give thanks to God and to lead the people. First Chronicles 16.4 says, He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Well, the job within the community to give thanks. So not only did the people of God take significant events to honor and praise God, 
but there was a ritual of thanks at a regular meeting so you could bless God. Remember when your dad went over with you about changing the oil in your car? You know, when you first had a car, you know, he said, now, you need to change the oil in your car every 3,000 or 4,000 miles. Remember to do that, right? Okay? It's as if God is telling his people now, remember, I want you to take, you know, every day or every week, and I want you to thank God. If your church is going to be healthy, there has to be times of praise, times of giving thanks to publicly celebrate the victories and God's involvement. Years ago, um, I visited Jim Hawkins, mother, some of you, most of you, I think, know Jim and, and Polly in our church. And uh, Jim's mother, Luciana, was just a sweet, sweet lady. Our, our daughter actually cared for her uh, for a while. But uh, her, her mom and Jim, and I forget who else was in the car, they were in a pretty severe auto accident. And uh, she was pretty banged up. And uh, she had injuries uh, that were not life-threatening, but the crash itself could have been, you know, life-ending. So I went to the hospital. You know, and I was expecting, and you know, being in pastoral mode, I'm going to encourage them, read some scripture, and hopefully, you know, lift their spirits up. And instead, I found this woman. And if you know uh, Lucy, you knew, you knew this, that uh, she was humorous. She was rejoicing, she was thankful, and her beautiful countenance came through her bruised face and, and neck brace, okay? And as I read scripture, I glanced over to her, and I mean, she was just drinking this in, just loving every word. And I found myself encouraged just by being in her presence and listening to her. And I remember getting on the elevator after visiting her hospital room, and I I remember saying to myself, oh, Lord, when I'm in my 60s or 70s, I pray that I can have that kind of countenance and spirit. Well, guess what? <laughs> Here I am. <clears throat> you know, uh, sometimes I need a tune-up, okay? And sometimes my own spirit needs to be lifted. There are some things I've learned along the way. Um, one is, I quit watching. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I quit watching the network news. I just couldn't take it anymore. All right? you may do, I'm, not, I'm not condemning anybody who does, but for me, I just didn't find that at all helpful. I don't avoid things. I, try to, I want to know what's going on in the world, try to read and, uh, every day what's going on, but um, I quit watching network news. Every day I try to spend time in God's word, um, trying to just soak in the perspective that God wants me to have, uh, trying to commune with him, because I know how prone just I am in my own flesh that I, I need the, the, the daily reminder. Um, here's something I want to pass along. If you want to be a crotchety old person, okay, if that's your goal, um, just be bitter now and hold that bitterness in your heart and I will guarantee you you will be a crotchety old bitter woman okay that's my advice to you 
point is, being thankful can really help the direction of our heart so that if we find ourselves flat on our back in a hospital, that my countenance does not have to change from the circumstance. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's grief. I get that. But God is still in control. He still loves us. He's still sovereign. And whatever age you are, wherever you find yourself, whatever circumstances you are in, here's what we have to acknowledge. We all have the freedom to forgive others. We all have the freedom to be thankful. Right? And we have the freedom to worship God in any circumstance. And if you're like me, I've got to do that on a regular basis. That's why coming together as God's people is so critical. And for those who just find as Christians who think that that's just not, you know, I just don't like going, and, you know, they can name you a hundred problems with the church. And I won't necessarily disagree with them, but you know what? I still need it. I still need time to get together to be encouraged. So, why do you say we do it right now? Why do you say we take time? We don't have to be on the wall outside. We can give thanks. We can praise God by just encouraging one another. So that's what I'm going to ask us to do. You don't have to stand up here. You can do it right where you sit. And one at a time, I'd like for us just to thank God for something. Um, and it can be anything. I don't want to dictate how this goes. But I'd like to just open it up and let us take time to give God thanks. So I'll just sit here. And look at it this way. I just need encouraged today, so how about let's bring it on, all right? <laughs>